Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of Prop Swap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We've got a, another great episode for you. Uh, we will get into some uh, big sales since we last uh, spoke, including some hockey, some NBA, and some college basketball. Uh, but first, I thought we would go into a little uh, kind of industry news. Uh, a lot has been happening with the situation, Luke, and I thought it was kind of finally time to uh, to talk about it. Um, and it is involving the DFS pick'em uh, industry and the recent crackdown um, by some of these uh, states. So, uh, just for the listeners who are not familiar, I'm going to give a little breakdown of what's been happening. So. First of all, uh, just so you're aware, DFS Pick'em are basically uh, against the house contests where users select two or more uh, players uh, from any given sport uh, to go basically over or under uh, a given stat. So, you know, you could say uh, Jalen Brunson over 25 and a half points uh, and Jason Tatum under 31 and a half points. Uh, and you can add more than two legs and the more legs you add, uh, the higher your payout is. But uh, it is unlike traditional DFS, um, you know, that we saw kind of blow up in the mid 2010s where uh, it was like a pool of people, right? So, you know, some small pools, some large pools uh, where you could win like a million dollars and it was you versus other people. Uh, one of the big differences with this is that it's one user versus uh, the company, right? And there are fixed odds based on how many um, selections you you add to your to your entry. So, um, needless to say, so I should say, uh, so Prize Picks, Underdog, and Better are the three biggest companies in the space. But there are many other companies uh, who are doing this as well. Uh, the issue at hand is uh, the question of: Is this fantasy or is this betting? Um, in recent months, uh, these companies have come under scrutiny from different state regulators and lawmakers. Nearly a dozen uh, have sent these companies cease and desist letters, uh, most notably so far New York and Florida. In New York, prize picks agreed to pay a $15 million fine to the state and cease operations there. Uh, just for some context, I'm trying to put this like kind of this this fine amount into context. Uh, back in 2014, Cantor Gaming, uh, which was at the time the largest sports book in Nevada, at the time when sports betting was only legal in Nevada, Cantor Gaming paid a $5.5 million fine to the state of Nevada for accepting illegal bets. And that was a record at the time. So granted, that was 10 years ago, but uh, a $5.5 million fine was a record in the state of Nevada. And now in 2024, uh, Prize Picks is paying triple that. Um, while they haven't taken any action yet, uh, California and Massachusetts have both said they are, they are considering taking action on the companies. So uh, I'm just going to stop there and um, just ask you, Luke, like, how did we get here? Um, you know, this is not exactly been an overnight sensation, uh, at least not for me and you and anyone else who's been following this. But um, it seems like over the last couple months, it is just it has been a snowball effect. And now we are at a point in time where um, it seems like these companies are really coming uh, under the gun by some of these states. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I'll answer the overview question first. Just how did we get here? I, I think regulators are like lemmings. They follow each other. Mostly it's not a perfect rule, but a lot of the time they follow each other. I, we saw this story in uh, 2015 with DraftKings and FanDuel where Eric Schneiderman, the then AG uh, of New York, he of course lost his job due to some sexual harassment, uh, abuse allegations. Um, but at the time he was the attorney general of New York and he threw the book at DraftKings and FanDuel basically saying, get out of my state. Um, and then I think after the fact that they came up with a fantasy license for running those businesses in the state of New York, but at the time, Eric Schneiderman was number one, was AG number one. And then pretty much same thing happened. I think it, it totaled at 30 states, uh, told them to get out or sent them cease and desist. So it just takes one. We've been hearing about this at conferences for about a year, maybe even a little bit longer than that. So we, this isn't shocking at all to us, but we're insiders. The public is, doesn't have information like that. So yeah, these guys, these regulators are like lemmings. I, you know, we run a startup that's kind of in the gray area. So I'm always cheering for the upstart. I, I'm, I want innovation to happen. I, we certainly, you know, from an Uber and Airbnb perspective, when we lived in Nevada, that was that was ground zero for Uber. And you and I lived in Nevada. You couldn't use Uber for forever because the taxi lobbyists just pushed so hard to keep them out of the state. And it was bad for the consumer. It was expensive and can charge three dollars for rides. And it was just a terrible experience for for the resident. And in this situation, you know, look, it's a cool product. Like I I'm cheering for the upstarts. I want the New York City kids to be able to use this. But I just feel like regulators are like lemmings, the, and the big guys are pushing this. Make no mistake, DraftKings and FanDuel are pushing against this because they're losing. It's it, uh, there was a, m- a month I heard in the state of Michigan where Prize Picks made more money than DraftKings did. So the big guys are are upset about it. And there's no doubt about it. They're they're hiring lobbyists as well to push back, which is makes this more difficult. You know, DraftKings and FanDuel lobbied to get their businesses legal in 2015, but there really wasn't anyone pushing back against that it was just regulators in this situation you got the regulators and DraftKings and FanDuel seemingly on the same side and that that could be costly yeah so uh I, I was gonna kind of draw draw some parallels between this situation and what happened back in 2016 uh with FanDuel and DraftKings like, like you just brought up um back then I remember me and you and I think the, the traditional thought was that uh one of the reasons and maybe the the main reason why FanDuel and DraftKings ended up getting so much blowback was due to the marketing and advertising by those companies. I mean, you could not turn on any channel without seeing a FanDuel or DraftKings and commercial and they'd be running back to backs and, you know, in, yeah. in, no. in some cases. And, and that definitely kind of caught, caught the eye. Uh, I don't have quick. any... Real quick on that. My favorite stat about that time period was they were advertising more than Anheuser-Busch advertises. DraftKings was spending more money on an NFL Sunday than Anheuser-Busch, which is like, that's a beer company that's been around for you know 200 years, and you're beating them out as a, uh, DraftKings started like three years prior to that. I mean, it was bananas. Yeah, uh, yeah, just... Just to reiterate, uh, the caveat being on the on NFL Sunday, probably mm-hmm. not overall, but yeah, on, on right. the NFL Sunday. Um, and so I I don't have any cool stats like that in regards to you know prize picks and, and underdog and their and their advertising, but it does seem like it's a lot. I it's mean, 
all over TNT on a Thursday, hear it on the radio, listen to Monday Night Football on the radio, hear it. I mean, and that's just anecdotally just a couple things. Uh, and so I was going to ask, like, do you think it's more, you know, if there was a pie in terms of what has brought this attention, do you think it's the the FanDuel and DraftKings lobbying against them right now because they're they're beating them in some states? Or again, is it a almost like, you know, too much advertising and, you know, that's, you know, that catches the eye of one regulator and then it, and then it snowballs from there. Um, be, again, back to the conference thing, like we knew this was coming at least six months ago. I remember back in Denver and in, in June, it was a very hot topic at, at a conference I attended out there. So I think this, this was put on the regulators radar by DraftKings and FanDuel, and now the regulators are sitting on their couch on an NFL Sunday or an NBA Tuesday night, whatever it is, and they're seeing all the prize picks and underdog ads, and now it's like, wow, like we better do something about this. Yeah. Um, one last point about the fine. So you said the, the Cantor Gaming fine was in 2014? Yeah. So I did an inflation calculator. Like, let's just see what a dollar from 2014 to 2024 would be. It's about a 30% increase so a 5.5 million dollar fine would be like 7 million so we're double um you know inflation aside we're we're double the fine that uh new york just basically fine prize picks i mean prize picks settled like clearly the number must have been higher than 15 prize picks settled at 15 and said hey we'll pay you 15 million to stop this lawsuit um and yeah so pretty right pretty now, that was fine. 15 million was was the amount that prize picks was like all right yeah we're comfortable paying that yeah. Uh, and it was didn't really give any specifics, but they said that 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 fifty million dollar number was a function of the revenue that Prize Picks had made over the last like three years. Yeah. Uh, basically, accusing them of operating without a license. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's maybe we can get into whether or not we think this is sports betting or not sports betting, um, because. At the end of the day, you know, I mean, yes, it is extremely ironic that the companies that were pushing the envelope in 2016 and, you know, uh, basically, you know, called out a lot of these AGs and regulators for stifling innovation are now basically doing the thing that the that they hated. But on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, in New York, for example, you have to pay an exorbitant you know, yeah. uh, uh, license fee. You got to pay these crazy tax rates uh, as a as a sportsbook operator, but those don't go for for DFS. And so, um, you know, look, I'll just say this: in my opinion, I, I kind of was a little anti DFS at the time in 2016, um, because all all it is is they are trying to exploit a, a like a one sentence or a couple sentence rule that was passed in like the mid aughts, um, and it's just like the, they just the mid what. Like the mid two thousands, like the mid, you know, the, it. it was like in two thousand six uh, that talked about you know fantasy being exempt from uh, from sports betting, and you know there were certain rules laid out there at the time, right? Like it, it had to have a prize pool, it had to have a fixed prize pool, it had to um, involve players from multiple games, and you know the idea was just like buddies playing season long fantasy football with their friends, and then DF, uh, FanDuel and DraftKings explored that a little, you know, by instead of being a season long, it was one day. And then, you know, I think these companies like prize picks and underdog are exploiting that even further by it being against the house. And it's, you know, it's not, you know, fantasy is supposed to be you 
versus other people. And, and that's not what, what this is. And so I kind of do see it from, you know, take, if you were to strip the names of FanDuel and DraftKings off and just said sports book operators are lobbying against these companies, I can kind of mm-hmm. see it because they're having to pay costs um, that, that the DFS companies uh, are not. And so, um, you know, I guess my last question would be, you know, do you think there is a path forward for these companies to remain in the fantasy space or are they going to end up having to pull out of every state that deems them sports betting? Yeah. We've talked about this on a prior episode. The best answer I had to that question is what Colorado is doing and make it based on fantasy points. And I was going to ask this before you'd mentioned at the onset, um, you know, Brunson and, um, you know, Jalen Brown, you have to pick two. Can you also not pick one? Can I lo- not log on to prize picks and pick one prop? Can I just bet Brunson over 25 points? No, it's it's got to be two or more. Um, right. And so basically it's, which you could make the analogy that's parlays. Um, and right. so, uh, and, you know, I, I, I believe, I'm not 100% confident, but I believe like the payout is if you make two picks, you get two to one odds on your money, right? So if you, if you make two, en- you know, two picks to your, to your entry uh, and you bet 20 bucks, you can win 40. Uh, now at the sports book, a, a two pick parlay is uh, plus 260. So it's actually not even, so it's not even that good of, uh, of odds compared to a, yep. a part to a parlay at the sports book. Um, and then the other thing I, I would, I would say is, you know, I, I gave an example of, of over under points for a game, but it can get, way more granular than that like it can get like you know yes no uh a run in the first inning right which is a very popular bet the sports book you can do over under first quarter points you can get super granular uh with with some of these uh, uh contest uh, entries you mentioned colorado just quickly uh, here are the colorado fantasy rules you must pick at least four players uh, and selections are limited to over under on on the players' projected fantasy scores. So you know that basically would include, for basketball's sake, like points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. Right? It's not yeah. just one stack category. It's it combines uh, all of them. Um, just just a couple other kind of notes I was going to add in here. Uh, Georgia introduced a sports betting bill uh, the other week that has specific language for these DFS pick'em games. Uh, but it comes with a hundred thousand dollar application fee and a one million dollar annual license, um, which is not cheap. But um, you know, you so Prize Picks I should mention is headquartered in Atlanta, and you got to believe that they were very uh, integral in coming up with that language. So you know, there is a potential path forward here where something like this, where again, it's fantasy. You know, fantasy is is separate from sports betting. Um, it lays out these kind of first house pick em games, but you know, they, they start paying a little more than, than, than they currently are. Um, but just the last thing, and I think this is something that's extremely important when talking about this industry, you know, I've been, t- I've talked about price picks and underdog and better. Those are three very successful, you know, well-backed, uh, companies, but there are some companies in this industry who are not, uh, like that because because these are house-backed games, some companies are, there's been reports allegedly that some companies are withholding funds from customers because they are basically winning too much, right? Like um, I read one story where basically a guy admitted that, you know, he played a golf pick game and he was able to pick things that were correlated, which 
sports books will block you uh, pair, uh the big dfs companies uh they know, they know to block you but some of these other smaller guys did not have that built into their technology and so he created like a correlated golf parlay that won for a lot of money and again it's not coming from another user who entered it's come from the from the company and if you don't have the funding you can be like oh crap we you know uh we don't have the money for you or uh, another company, uh, re- there was reports that they basically were withholding someone's uh, uh, money in their account because, like, the the line was they were winning more than, like, the average user, right? And so they called fantasy a game of skill. So it's kind of hard to say, oh, it's a game of skill, but yet be shut down for winning too much, which, again, is is what you see in the, in the sports betting. So mm-hmm. I do think that's an important thing here. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, there's just point. way less. Uh, yeah, there's just way less, and there's way less oversight uh, from a regular, from a regular, a regulator standpoint uh, mm-hmm. on these DFS companies. And so, um, yeah, I mean, so kind of consumers should be uh, wary of that um, if they you know, win win too much. Um, so I'm sure there will be more to come uh, on on this story. It's super interesting. Um, and so, uh, I think it's time we move on to uh, to some of the sales uh, that that we've been having. Um, I think it's time to talk hockey. We have not talked uh, a whole lot of hockey so far uh, this this season. And uh, as the regular season starts to kind of come down to the end, uh, we are starting to see some bigger and bigger sales, uh, especially on the division winner side of things. Uh, so um, the Canucks uh, have been an interesting team uh, here on PropSwap. In early January, a customer placed a $3,000 bet on the Canucks to win the Pacific Division at plus 240 odds. Last week, he sold that ticket on PropSwap for $6,120. Those are odds of minus 150 for the buyer. Uh, and at the time, the Canucks were minus 190 uh, at Sportsbooks. So buyer got better odds than the, than the Sportsbooks were offering at the time. Today, the Canucks are now minus 270 to, to win the Pacific. And so... Um, as our as our resident hockey expert on the podcast, uh, I'll ask you, you know, what your thoughts on the on the on the Canucks' chances are, and um, and uh, what the about the sale. Yeah. Um, before I get to that, quite a night in Chicago. Um, just brief hockey tidbit. I'll answer that question, of course. But brief hockey tidbit. Uh, Chris Chelios, who is arguably the greatest um, American-born defenseman of all time, I think he won three Norris trophies. Uh, they retired his jersey on Sunday night at the United Center. And on the same night, Pat, it was Patrick Kane night because Patrick Kane, of course, drafted by the Blackhawks, won overall, spent one three Stanley Cups here, we played here for like 13 years, is now in the Red Wings, and the Red Wings were in town. Chris Chelios also played for the Red Wings. And then at the end of all that, so Dennis Rodman was here. Um, um, uh, Eddie, what's the lead singer, Pearl Jam? Um, Better. Eddie Vedder, thank you, was here. A bunch of celebrities. Chelios has made a lot of money. He's known a bunch of celebrities. I've actually met him multiple times. Super nice guy. But my point is, on bo- after both of those crazy celebrations for both Chris Chelios and Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane gets uh, a pass from DeBrinket, who's also a former Blackhawk, in overtime, and Patrick Kane scores the overtime winner at the United Center on his first game back. So pretty, it was all over Sports Center last night. I mean, amazing night for, for hockey in Chicago. But to your question, um, good sale or bad sale? So this is the same division as the Golden Knights, right? Like who are who? Yeah, I believe I just saw that they were like they had the lowest, the highest odds to win the division. The highest odds to win the division. 
Yeah, okay. I, I guess I, I guess maybe that's not including some teams that have been eliminated, but um, yeah, same division as the Golden Knights, but uh, the Knights were like fourteen to one to win the to win the division. Huh. Yeah. Okay. That's weird. Um, I was gonna say I thought they would still have a shot, so maybe I'm missing something. Um, but yeah, I mean the Canucks, they Vancouver. We, we've talked about this a bunch on this podcast. Like it's awesome when Canada's good at hockey. So like I'm super happy for Vancouver. They actually have a good team. So uh, Vancouver's minus two seventy, like you said. Edmonton's plus three seventy. That's second place in the Pacific. So um, yeah, I mean, good set, great pickup by the buyer. Obviously, the seller got cold feet. He trying to get something back for his money. But to me, I I probably would have held on to it. Looking at those odds, I I thought the Golden Knights would have had a shot here. But um, yeah, at fourteen to one, they're they're basically out. Yeah, um, I believe at the time the Canucks had lost three in a row. Uh, and in yeah. one of those games, I believe it was the backup goalie, but one of those games, they, they surrender 10 goals in, yeah. in one of those losses. So um, just to your point about the cold feet, uh, I'm, sh- you know, a, th- a three game losing streak. Um, and, you know, you've got a chance to, to profit 3k. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I could see how we got a little cold feet, but yeah, uh, since then, um, the, it seems like the Canucks have, have turned around. Yeah. Uh, now, so- again, as we know, yeah. Just to wrap it up, they are uh, 11 points back. Golden Knights are 11 points back. So yeah. that's why, and they've played, they've only, they've played two less games than Canucks. So figure they're like, you know, if they win both of those, they're just seven games, seven points back, but pretty big gap. Yeah. Um, but as we've, as we've learned, winning the division does not guarantee you anything in no. the playoffs. So, um, well, yeah, it is, it is cool to see can- Canadian teams be, be good in the NHL. Um, just because they win the division does not mean that will translate necessarily to uh, Stanley Cup playoff uh, su- success. Uh, moving on, going to talk a little NBA MVP. Uh, this was an interesting sale that occurred over the weekend. Uh, in early November, a customer placed a, or I should say, used a $100 bonus bet on Shea Gilders Alexander to win MVP at 18 to 1 odds. Last week, he sold it for $500. Those are odds of plus 261 for the buyer. Uh, SGA is currently the second favorite behind Jokic. Uh, SGA's plus two twenty uh, odds at the sports book. So again, um, another good pickup for the buyer comparative to the market. And then also just kind of a cool thing that the seller was able to to sell a ticket using a bonus bet because um, sports books do not offer cash outs on, on bonus bets, you know, and, and even if you don't use a bonus bet, it's still uh, sometimes rare uh, if a, you know, for futures, sports books do not always offer cash out. So um, pure profit from the seller's perspective. And then, um, like I said, better than every sports book in the country on the, uh, uh, for the, for, for the buyer. Um, so, you know, the, the Thunder, interesting, super young team. Um, I could see them doing really well, you know, getting the number one seed in the West, maybe number two, having a better record than the, than the Nuggets. Um, but Jokic is definitely the favorite right now for, for MVP. But it will be inter- interesting to see uh, if down the stretch, the Nuggets decide to rest Jokic or rest Murray, which then hurts their win-loss record. And we'll see if that kind of plays into the minds of, of voters um, because you can tell the Nuggets do not care as much about seeding as, as other teams like, like the Thunder do. Um, and then just while we're talking about the Thunder, I thought I would mention that on our last podcast, I talked about Jalen Williams uh, being 100 to 1 to win most improved player. 
he is now 14 to one at Caesars and 19 to one at, at FanDuel. So uh, I'm just going to take a quick early victory lap on, uh, on that one. I don't think it's early. That's, that's a six extra turn. If you timed it properly, buy him at 101 and sell him at 14 to one. I don't think that's early. That's a great sale. Yeah. Um, so, you know, still, still a ways to go to get like really in the conversation. Um, he's still, I think like fourth on, on the odds board, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud about that pick and, and, um, I would not, this will not be my stake or swap pick, but yeah, I would, I would definitely take that, that five extra turn, uh, right now. If I, if I had that hundred to one ticket, uh, and then lastly, uh, talking about sales, um, this was a super interesting, uh, parlay that, that sold. Mm-hmm. In in late December, a customer placed a five leg parlay on the following: Georgia to win the Orange Bowl, which was not a question. That was uh, they were like minus six fifty. But Georgia to win the Orange Bowl, the Browns, Bills, and Saints to win their Week Seventeen games, and then the last leg is North Carolina to win the College Basketball Championship. So uh, four four of the first five legs have won. Uh, the customer bet sixty dollars to win ten thousand dollars. And then last week he sold the ticket on PropSwap for four hundred and seventy nine dollars. That's a nearly seven x return for the seller, and odds of twenty to one for the buyer on North Carolina, who is currently sitting uh, as a two seed uh, in the bracketology according to Joe Lenardi. And as we record this, the look like they are going to uh, win against Miami. Um, but uh, any any thoughts on uh, on that sale? Yeah, I mean, to me, that is the perfect sell now, take half your proceeds, and then just go rebet North Carolina. So if you took 250 of that, took North Carolina 20 to 1, you got another $5,000 ticket in your pocket. So right. that's, that is the perfect sell on prop swap, take some proceeds. We are far away. I like North Carolina. I do not think they win it all this year. Um, yeah, I would definitely sell that put 250 or even a little bit less if you don't like North Carolina as much anymore. Um, and then get another ticket for five G's on, on Tar Heels. Yeah. And, and for the buyer, he still has a ton of room to resell at a, at a later point in time. Yeah. Every time I think about North Carolina basketball. Now I think of the, uh, them setting uh, the prop swap record for um, most number of sales for a, a single ticket. So uh, a couple years Which ago was? when the, when they lost to Kansas uh, in the in the championship, um, one single North Carolina futures ticket sold six different times, uh, which at the time was a record for prop swap. And um, and so, again, the buyer paid four seventy nine on a ticket that collects ten grand. He's got a ton of upside uh, sitting there, you know, uh, come come tournament time. So, um, super cool sale. And uh, yeah, to your point, I would absolutely take some of those proceeds. And, uh, and and rebet them. So um, speaking of upside, uh, it's time to get into a little stake or swap. First up, we will be talking about TCU, currently 125 to 1 odds at MGM to win the national title. Um, Luke, we will start with you first. Are you staking or swapping TCU? Yeah, I am going to stake TCU at 125 to one at MGM. They are 90 to one at DraftKings. 
so value right there. But honestly, this is a story about the Big 12. I think this is the best conference top to bottom by a landslide in uh, the college basketball world this year. So uh, give give me a team that's uh, a contender. You get triple-digit odds on them. Uh, love the head coach. I think they still have that Eddie Lampkin guy. Don't quote me on that. But I've just been watching a ton of Big 12 basketball this year because it's always on in the mornings in Chicago. Um, so, yeah, Big 12 is loaded. Triple digits on a on a team that's always a contender. I think this team can maybe get to the Sweet 16, and if you're pushing it the Elite Eight, so you're flipping it for if they get down to the Elite Eight, you, let's say 10 to 1 odds, you're making 12 extra money. You're, they get to the Sweet 16, their odds are 20 to 1, you're making 6 extra money. So, um, yeah, that's my pick. Um, so, I mean... I'm going to swap TCU, but I realize that 125 to one odds, like, you know, that's not necessarily selling high, but um, my, my, my stance is, is just kind of hold off on TCU. And uh, I'll kind of explain that a little further uh, in the, in the next uh, team we talk about, but according to Joel Lenardi right now, who's pretty accurate on seedings, but you know, obviously it can change. Uh, there's still a ton of time to change and, and regions, you know, it could be, the correct seed number, but different region. But according to Joel Lenari's bracket right now, he has TCU as the nine seed uh, and would be playing Florida Atlantic as the eight seed in round one. And then he would play UConn in round two. And so where I'm going with this is just like, in terms of these like super long shots, which I think once the bracket gets set, like that's where I'm going to start. I would hone in on, on these, on these triple digit long shots. But like if without knowing the bracket and where they sit, like you could end up being like, Oh man, like my team is playing another team that I really like, you know, and, and you kind of want to see that bracket to strategize a little bit. Uh, and so, you know, if I was holding a TCU ticket and that, that bracket, like I just laid out was, was occurring, I would not feel great. You got to beat FAU and then UConn, like yeah. that's, that's a tough road. And, and if the bracket was sit like that, uh, you know, in a month from now, I bet you they would be higher than 125 to one, right? So uh, yeah. that's why I would swap uh, TCU right now. Totally agree. If that's the draw, you got, you got a big problem. If it's FAU yeah, and then look, UConn, if, that's... But obviously it could go out the other way too, right? Where they do really well in the Big 12 tournament and now they end up being yeah. a, a six seed instead of a nine seed. So, you know, obviously things can happen, um, but that... You know that that makes me uh, pause right there to see to see that see that gauntlet in the first in the first weekend. Um, the next team we are going to talk about uh, is Marquette, currently thirty to one uh, to win the national title at Caesars. I will go first. I am staking uh, Marquette. Um, the thirty to one at Caesars is compared to twenty to one at FanDuel and twenty two to one at DraftKings. Uh, so there's some nice value there. They are currently a two seed in the Midwest region, according to Joe Lenardi. Um, yes, they lost by a ton uh, at UConn the other week. But after that game, they beat DePaul and Xavier by a combined 58 points. So, um, you know, UConn's really good. And they played at UConn. They play the Huskies again coming up later this season at home. I think I would look out for, uh, for, for, for Marquette in, in that game uh, at home. They have the 12th best defense and 25th best offense, according to Ken Palm. So they're like right on the border of that top 20 rule um, that uh, I talked about last year. And I'll talk about again um, as we get closer. But basically, it's 
you can pretty much get, you know, it's almost a guarantee that the, the, the champion will be top 20 in both offense and defensive rating uh, in those Ken Palm rankings. Um, Marquette's starting five are all upperclassmen, seniors and juniors. And, um, you know, just like I mentioned about TCU, uh, I'm always a little hesitant at this stage to take a huge long shot because the seed numbers can change so much. But Marquette seems pretty firm right now as a two or a three seed, um, just given the record, their rankings uh, in the AP poll. And so, um, again, things can change, but I would be shocked if they did not end up as a three seed or, or better at this point. So for those reasons, I am staking Marquette at 30 to one. I like it. Um, I also will stake Shaka smart uh, three fun facts about Shaka smart that I uh, looked up while preparing for this episode from Wisconsin. So that's cool. Marquette is of course in Milwaukee. Um, he graduated from the California, sorry, he got his master's from the California University of Pennsylvania. If that's not the most confusing name for a college in the world, I'm not sure what is. The California University of Pennsylvania is in Pennsylvania, but wow, what a name for a college to get your master's at. Um, and then secondly, uh, kind of, I guess, third fun factor, enrollment of Marquette, 11,000. I, I was expecting like 40. I thought, that's like my high school had like 3000. So um, much smaller than I thought for a, uh, for a, a basketball program. That's relevant. Seems to seems like every year they're, they've been, they've been good. Of course, Dwayne Wade kind of started that ascension, but um, anyways, I like 30 to one. I do like Marquette this year. I like Shaka smart. I'm still waiting for him to get over the hump. So I'm a little bit concerned. I'd probably be selling this. So they get to the final four. I don't necessarily trust him to cut down the nets or to, to win the national championship this year. So um, keep an eye out for that. I, I do think he's not in the top echelon of coaches just yet, but um, 30 to one, like you said, relative to 20 to one value immediately. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, coach is obviously super important, but, and that kind of goes back to my upperclassmen thing, right? Like um, it's, it's rare to, to, to have so many upperclassmen, I think uh, in your, in your starting five. And so um, yeah, the coach matters, but also, you know, you want guys out there who, who have experience and uh, have, have been the tur- tournament uh, before. So um, yeah, 30 to one Marquette mark it down. Um, but that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and we will talk to you next week. 